You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. Together, we're here to empower, educate, and encourage women to start talking about money. Discover more at fidelity.com slash it's time. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky. Welcome to Her Money. This is your opportunity to get involved in the conversation about money that every woman needs to have when it comes to managing her personal financial life. I wanted to do this show because there just isn't enough content out there for women by women about Money, And I know from my personal experience that managing your financial life, there's not a lot of rocket science to it. It's just good habits repeated over and over and over again. I like to say it's like the shampoo commercial. You wash, you rinse, and you repeat. But it's a repeat that you got to keep going for the rest of your life. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our show at iTunes. It is her Money, and Her Money is one word, with Jean Chatsky. On this show, we will have great topics, amazing guests. We'll take your questions. We'll give you sound, actionable advice to help you get through the day and get through the market and get where you want to go. And we're going to do this today by talking to two amazing women who have forged their own financial path. Who out there is hooked on criminal? I'm Phoebe Judge. This is criminal. Well, if you're raising your hands, then you're right there with me, because today we are going to talk to Phoebe Judge and Lauren Sporer. And believe me, if you're not already hooked, if you just listen to one or two episodes, you will be. You'll you'll hear the kind of you are their stories of what it's like to be a middle schooler locked down in math class when a stranger is roaming the halls with a gun or the hard to believe story about a professional soccer player who helped the Philly police solve a murder that was seemingly unsolvable. I, I can't start talking about these stories without hearing that dun dun in my in my head or in the background. Phoebe and Lauren, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks very much for having us and for that nice introduction to criminal. Oh, yes, thanks, Jean. well, well, thank you. You know, I, I I can't be the only person who who says dun dun. I mean, do you get that all the time? Sometimes we have people who mimic uh, who mimic that and, and mimic the you know we've we've set the show up so there is this always you always hear I'm Phoebe Judges's criminal and so some people like to repeat that um, we we haven't heard we haven't heard a good as sound impression as you just did but uh, you might take the cake I might take the cake well I was I was in a restaurant over the past weekend and Sam Waterston actually walked in ahead of us and I had to stop my husband from going da da right in his ear. So I guess I was just holding it, holding it back and waiting for you. <laughs> I'm about the biggest Law & Order fan there is. So I would love to, I would love to bump into any of those cast members. It, yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. You can watch it over and over again, just like you can listen to your show. So I know you both met on a show called The Story with Dick Gordon. And Phoebe, you were a producer and you subbed on air. And Lauren, you were a producer and a director and an editor. How did criminal come from that? 
Yeah, Phoebe and I work together at at a show here in North Carolina where we live now. Um, And we, you know, we just made friends and we like to talk about stories. And when Phoebe would guest host, I would often be sort of her lead producer. So we ended up talking a lot about what types of stories worked well for her personality, you know, what we could do with the sound of her voice. And it, it just sort of evolved naturally that... these conversations and we started saying like, well, what if we could make our own show? Um, And it sort of grew from there. Criminal now gets two million downloads a month. I mean, that is that is amazing. Phoebe, what can what can you tell me about what it's been like to be on this ride? Well, it's been a wonderful ride. I mean, how rare a thing to be able to be sitting on a back porch with someone and say, you know, let's Let's do a show and then finally, you know, watch what happens after two years, which is this this situation now that we find ourselves in where Lauren and I uh, own a business. We make a show, as you say, we were very lucky to have as many listeners as we do. And and really, we've created something. And I think what's what's so interesting about Criminal or what's so gratifying is that when we first came up with the idea for the show, we had really not much support. You know, we had full time jobs. We had no financial support for the show. We were doing it at night in a closet. And we certainly didn't have that many listeners. But we just kept saying, let's let's try this let's not give up let's not give up and so now to see it as successful it is it's it's wonder it's a it's a wonderful experience and uh i'm really i'm really grateful that i think that lauren and i both kind of had the courage to say let's try this you know i always tell people and and when you look at at studies of how many people are happy with their jobs with what they go to work to do every day that the numbers are shockingly low and and people are constantly asking me how do they morph from one job into another where they perhaps have more control and they certainly enjoy it a little more and my my first piece of advice is always don't quit your day job so you guys didn't right i mean you you said it's been 2 years how long did it take you to to get to financial success and and what was that evolution like well I, you're, that's a piece of advice we always give too and i and i do think that if if we had quit our jobs right away the pressure to make criminal financially viable to make it successful it would have just i think overwhelmed us and to have the freedom to be making criminal um at a slower pace so we could make sure that every episode was quality and also not not worry about how we were going to pay the rent or our health insurance uh in the beginning really allowed us I think, to build the type of show that we really wanted to build. In terms of of financial success, or I don't know what success means, but in terms of, of Lauren and I both being able to quit our jobs, it took more, it took about a year and a half. Um, Lauren quit her job first last April and started working at Criminal full-time. And I just stopped this fall full-time. I, I was on the wow. radio every day, um, a public radio station. And so now we are both full-time criminal and and we can make it work financially, which which is just, it's a great feeling. You know, I, I just want to go back. So you were essentially moonlighting for about a year and a half. Lauren, you were moonlighting for for about a year. I think this is how businesses are born these days. You know, people sort of do a little something on the side. How how hard was that? It's definitely hard, but I think that there is a lot of satisfaction that comes with it. 
And for me, a lot of that was that we didn't need to wait for anyone else to tell us that we could do this. And we didn't need to wait for anyone to say, "Okay, I'll financially back you because we didn't quit our day job. So uh, to me, that was a real sort of motivating engine, you know, like we're going to make this work and we're going to find whatever time we have in any given day to make this thing work and to make it great. Um, And I found that freedom to be remarkable. When did you guys know that you had a hit on your hands? What was what was the did somebody say something to you in a grocery store or did did um when did that light bulb go on when you knew, oh, my God, this is this is big? Well, I I will say that uh, I still watch the numbers for criminal just like I did when the show first started. And and 51 listeners actually seems as exciting to me as seeing that we have two million now, because I, well, 51 meant that there was someone listening to the show who we didn't know. And that that was such a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think, you know, there have been a couple of things that have helped us a lot. We started getting good press and we had some great articles, Huffington Post, BuzzFeed. And then so that helped. And then Radiotopia, which is a which is a network, which is a business model, which says, let's let these podcasters, these producers do what they're good at, which is make their shows. And we're going to provide the infrastructure and support to do all the other stuff that they need to be able to make those shows help with business and uploading audio and, and marketing and such. And so they called us up and said, we'd like Criminal to be part of the network. It was a that was just fantastic for us, not only because it was going to help our profile and help with these things we haven't been able to address, but also because now we were joining this group of shows that had some of our radio idols in them, you know, Roman Mars, then Impersonal Invisible and the Kitchen Sisters and Radio Dyers and all these people that we had been admiring so much over the years. And then, of course, Serial happened. Criminal mm-hmm. had been going for a year. But I think what Serial did is it helped all podcasts. It made podcasts. It took it out of this obscure little type of um, media and put put it on the map. And so we saw our numbers continue to grow like that. Um, and then we first started. Then we started getting our sponsors, and um, and then we started seeing actual money come in, which. It was very slow in the beginning, but it was enough to allow us to pay ourselves back for all the money that we'd spent in the year where we weren't getting paid. So it was kind of a – and it still is. It's just a slow climb. I, I want to come back to the money in, in just a second. But first, let me just take a, a second to tell everybody that Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Fidelity is focused on helping women just like us take charge of our financial lives It's important to learn about money, not just for you, but for the other women in your life, your moms and sisters, your daughters, your friends. So visit fidelity.com slash it's time where you'll find our Thrive Workshop, which gives you three simple ways to put your money into action. There's also information about how to manage your money during life's biggest events and step-by-step guidance about putting a financial plan together. Again, visit fidelity.com slash it's time. So we're back with Phoebe Judge and Lauren Spore from Criminal. What was it like to get that first check? And, and what, what was it like running the business where you had to sit down and actually negotiate on your own behalf for sponsors? I remember the first check. We had kept a little spreadsheet in Google Docs of all of the money we had put into the business. And um, we owned our own equipment and we had, you know, called in a lot of favors. So we hadn't invested a ton of our own money, but there was some. And so when that first check came in, I think it was for $2,000. 
Oh my right? God, maybe not even that much. Maybe 1600 or something. All right. I think it was, yeah, I think it was maybe $1,600 from a grant. I think that was the first Czech criminal ever received. We won a STEM grant to mm-hmm. produce an episode. Um, and we deposited it and we paid ourselves back. And that was a really big day. And it really felt like, okay, you know, now at least we're we're even, we're square, we're going to move forward. Um, I remember going to the bank and opening the bank account and it felt surreal. Wait, with $1,600, you were, you were even? Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, about that's, podca- that's incredible. Yeah. I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're spending enough time in the closet, which is how we recorded Criminal for a year. Um, you know, I think that's true. And that's what's so interesting about podcasting. Podcasting is not that expensive. You know, you really can do this stuff. We weren't, we're, $1,600 is about right. That is what we'd spend. Now, that in no way accounts for the uh, hundreds of hours of our own time that we had not gotten paid for. We're just talking about actual money that had come out, come out of our pockets. I mean, we didn't think about actually paying ourselves until long after that. But I think that's what's also, you talk about, you know, empowering women and money, but also for, people who want to be empowered to make a podcast, you can just do it. I mean, that's what we're saying here. You can do it at night in a closet. Um, why, a- why, a cl- why a closet? I mean, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm in a studio right now, which is about the size of a closet you would never see in New York. It's, it's bigger than that, but it, it, it's not all that big. Is there something for, for future podcasts about the acoustics in a closet? Yeah, you just want to be surrounded with as many sort of pieces of fabric as possible to to make to make the sound of the room very small, if that makes sense. OK. All right. And, and you know, and right now we're in a studio, too, and we, we're lucky. We, we record Criminal now at North Carolina Public Radio. And so we have great, big, fancy studios and it's really lucky and wonderful. But in the beginning, you know, when we were doing this at night, we wanted the show to sound as good as possible. And in Criminal, you know, um, the narration and the storytelling is a pretty central part of it. And so I would get into the closet and it would be late at night. And Eric Mennell, who first started making the show with us, would be outside of the closet with his um, with gear watching my levels and Lauren would be on the bed with the script and they'd be yelling instructions to me inside the closet. It was quite a scene uh, for, for a while, but you know, I think that, I think that that was the, the biggest expense for the first year was just all the hours we were putting it without getting compensated at all. Um, and we were just, oh, we were okay with that. That was fine by us. So once you turned the corner and, and the checks beyond the first 1600 started rolling in and and you started gaining this incredible following it brought along with it financial freedom you could quit your job but you could do other things too like lauren you you were you you told me you paid off your credit cards what that feel like that that's that was a big deal for me i i really didn't think that that would happen for many many years so that was that was a big deal um i had been making regular payments just very slightly above the minimum on two different cards. Um, And I'd shifted the balances around a little bit so I didn't have to pay interest on one of them. But it just it just felt like this sort of mountain that I was not going to be able to climb for a very long time. So that's made a that's made a huge difference for me. And Phoebe, for you, what what have you done with the financial success? And what do you want to do? Well, um, I, I caution saying success in too big group. People think we're here in the studio rolling around in piles of $100 bills. You're not? <laughs> no, we, we, we aren't. <laughs> we leave those at home. No, just kidding. I mean, you know, the, I think for us, the financial freedom and success is that we're able to not only support two salaries, but we're also able to pay health insurance and 
think about something like a retirement plan. So for, for, for us, that's, that's the freedom to be able to own your own product, run it yourself, make your own decisions and be making wise financial decisions, right? I mean, that, that feels like the greatest accomplishment. It doesn't matter if we have a million dollars, a $50,000. It's just that we are living a financially responsible life right now, which is something that makes me so happy, you know, that I can say, yes, I have a bit of a student loan that I'm paying off responsibly and on time, but I don't have any other debt right now. And so I can think strategically about saving. And I think what's interesting is Lauren and I are in an age where I think we've we've been in jobs before where retirement contributions get taken out of your check, but you don't really think about them. You know, mm-hmm. they're just coming out. And we, we met with someone the other day because we're now we're business owners and so there are tax implications and they were saying, well, when do you want to retire? And I felt like I needed to walk out of that financial appointment and go straight to to a shrink because it made <laughs> me think in these ways that I had never thought before. And he was saying, you know, don't let this overwhelm you. Just think about it. Um, so th- having those types of, of conversations now is really, really interesting. You know, as a SEP IRA, a simple IRA, a 401k, what can we do for ourselves with the, the small amount of money that criminal has to really set ourselves up and, and also set ourselves up so that we cannot be scared in case we lose all of our listeners, which could also happen. We've taken a great risk here in, in leaving our jobs. Um, and, and what can we do to make sure we'll be okay next year if, if everything goes south? You know, it's, it's so interesting to hear you talking about saving. When I, I got divorced about 10 years ago and I started saving at that point like a crazy person. I'd always saved some money, but at that point I was, I was thinking, okay, it's all on, it's on me now to put money away for my future, to put money away for my kids' college. And, and, I, I automated my way into college plans and retirement plans so that, that those automatic contributions would just happen. And then when I would go and visit the money, and I encourage you to visit the money that you're contributing, it just makes you feel so much better about the fact that it could be over tomorrow. Cause that's a huge fear for me that, that sure things are going well now, but tomorrow, next year, who knows? Will you tell us what you mean by visit the money? Yeah. So when you make automatic contributions to any sort of an account, like a 401k if you have a job, but an IRA if you're doing it through check-in withdrawals, it just happens. The money is moved automatically because you've told the computer once every two weeks or once every month, go and move the money. And the money will just continue to add up and you won't even notice it unless you take a spin online around your accounts every so often. And then you'll see, oh my gosh, look at look at my 529 and and look at my SEP IRA and what well, I'm doing, I'm doing a good job and I can and should feel feel good about that. I mean, saving money is hard to do because it, we're not um buying things that we want today. We're we're deciding to do something for ourselves in the future, but it, it feels really good if you if you take time to notice it. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's exciting. It's an exciting thought to think if something, I mean, I don't know if this is, but if something happened, if I needed to something, 
I don't have to use a credit card. I could just take it out of my savings. Like, I've got this money here for a reason. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it, this is my safety net and now I've built it. And once that safety net is somewhat strong, then you can really keep making it stronger and stronger. And I think that's when kind of freedom comes. And there's not a dollar amount that means you're strong enough, I think. It's just, it's just a, it's a, it's a mindset. I find myself excited. I'm, I, I visit my bank accounts regularly. <laughs> not that they're big, but I just think to myself, Hey, look at that. You know, and when I get to see that there's interest, I love seeing interest because I think, well, there's free money, Phoebe. You know, I mean, there's just something very, there's, it's, it's fun when, when you, when you start to get into a regular habit. Exactly. Exactly. So what would you tell other women who want to do their own thing, who want to be in control and start their own businesses? I think in terms of advice, I think one, I'm 35. I've had many, many jobs in public radio and I, I taught. I've taught at a lot of different universities all over, and I just can't underestimate the feeling of being your own boss, being responsible to yourself and to your colleague, to your partner in business, and to and to really saying to yourself, like, what is the very best thing that I can make, and then doing it, and then not letting anyone else um, get in your way or try to tell you what to do. I think that's been a real education for me that I wasn't expecting, you know, in my m- mid-30s, was to learn, you know, we get approached a lot. People want... To, people want us to promote their, you know, their movie or they want to partner with us in some various ways. And we we sort of learned to say, like, maybe later. But for now, we're going to sort of protect this thing that we've built and that we're putting all of our all of our energy into. So I think saying no has been an important lesson for me. Um, and also just sort of feel be, allowing ourselves to feel protective of, of this thing that we've built. And Phoebe, how about you? Well, I, I find the, the, the fact that we're making uh, whatever we want to make and we care so much about criminal and the content and the creative aspect of that but i also have had such a a, a fun time learning what it means to own a business i mean really i i really i just i love it i i like everything about it. it's frustrating sometimes but it's been so much fun and such an education and something i was on a path where i was in public radio and i was at a stable job and i didn't have to think much about being an entrepreneur or being a business owner and this whole world of podcasting has changed that and i'm so happy for that experience i'm so happy now to get to say i get i have decisions here decisions not just about what episode is coming out next, but decisions about the health of of a business that I own, not only, you know, with a colleague, but also with another woman. You know, we're two female podcasters who own our own business, and I would argue have a pretty successful, not only audience, but also a successful business model. Okay, so you both know that I am a new podcaster. I'm a brand new, this is new for me. So give me some advice. What, What do I need to do to do this right? Never worry about your numbers. I mean, people like to throw numbers <laughs> around the size of your audience, millions of people. That doesn't matter at all. If that, if we had been thrown off by numbers in the beginning, we, we wouldn't be making criminal. We wouldn't be here right now. I think, you know, to just, to, 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 you're, it seems to me that you're you're talking about something that you love and are passionate about. And that's the most important thing, you know, finding, finding your own voice in something that you really love. That's the biggest key and, and you're doing it. And and for people out there who have yet to listen to Criminal, if they go to the website, they're going to find a bunch of episodes. Which one do you think they should listen to first? My favorite episode is an episode called 695 BGK. It's about a young African-American man who was 
uh, shot by a white police officer in Texas, and it, he was shot in his parents' front yard with his parents standing right there. Um, and that episode has a lot of surprises, I think, and we we worked really hard on that one. We won we won an award, a Third Coast Award for that one, in the best documentary category. I'm I'm really proud of that one, and I hope we can do more stories like that. Meaning that we traveled, we spent a couple of days reporting it in person. Um, so we're hoping that we can take on some more ambitious pieces like that going forward. That and I would great. say, as a complete counter to that one, which is very serious and also one that I'm very proud of, there's an episode called, uh, I think it's episode 23, it's called Triassic Park, which which shows, I, I hope will show, if you listen to both those episodes, you'll see just the broad range of material we have to work with under this banner of crime. Fantastic. Phoebe, Lauren, thank you so much. This has been awesome and, and exciting for me, and, and I hope you'll come back again. Oh, we'd love to. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. A big thanks again to Phoebe Judge and Lauren Sporer. And we are going to go right to your questions. You know I love answering your questions, and I want to hear from you. You can hit me up on Twitter, on Facebook, and at jeanchatsky.com. And Kelly, our associate producer, Kelly Hultgren, she's with me in the studio what do we have? Donna Freeman on Facebook. She wants to know, how would you handle a 401k account if you are terminated from your job, but you also have a loan on it? Traditional IRA, Roth IRA, or something else? Kelly, you and I have been working together now three plus years. How many times have you heard me say, don't borrow from your 401k? Couldn't even tell you. Right, right. And this is why. This is why, because if you borrow from your 401k and you lose your job or you leave your job, you got to pay the money back inside of 60 days, or it's treated as a taxable event, which means you will have to pay taxes, maybe penalties. They can eat up 30 to 40 cents on every dollar. It gets very expensive. So I hope she's got the money from another source to repay that loan. And then take what's left, roll it into an IRA or a Roth IRA. Either would work. In fact, this is just what we were talking with Phoebe and Lauren about moments ago. It depends on whether she's got the money to pay the taxes, because if she transfers into a Roth, it's a taxable event. Hmm. Okay, great. And we have one more question coming in from Twitter. At Marital Musings wants to know, concerns me that you said singles don't need life insurance. Burial is so expensive. Places a burden on a family, doesn't it? Okay, so Marital Musings, you've got to love that Twitter handle. Marital Musings is commenting on something that I said on the Today Show, where I pointed out that when you're married and you have dependents, you need life insurance because life insurance is for the living. But single people who have no one depending on their income really don't need life insurance, although many people will try to sell it to them. This is what saving is for. This is what your emergency cushion is for. Hopefully, you've got some sort of money that you will leave as part of your estate that will cover the cost of burial, the cost of a funeral, so that it doesn't put an unnecessary burden on your family. We want to hear more from you. Please submit your question to Her Money. Tweet us at Jean Chatsky. On Facebook, where I'm facebook.com slash Jean Chatsky and at jeanchatsky.com. In our weekly Thrive segments, we like to give you some helpful money advice to put a little kick in your week. And I get a lot of surveys. Some of them put a smile on my face. This one, Not so much. The folks at CareerBuilder did some research, and they found 20% of human resource managers admit women at their companies earn less than men, wait for it, for doing the same jobs. 
the same jobs. So what do you do if you think that you're one of them or you are just underwhelmed by your compensation in general? First, try to figure out how compensation at your company is determined, but do it in a non-threatening, non-demanding way. If the company's hiring manager or your boss in a smaller company doesn't have an answer, this is a signal that there might be an issue there. And just an aside here, I asked for a raise early in my career. My boss literally told me that I needed to go out and get a competing job offer just so that he could justify giving me a raise to his boss. So you never know what's behind that paywall. Second, gather your facts. You want to know what you're worth, and then you want to prove what you're worth. Use sites like Glassdoor and Payscale to figure out what other employers are paying people who are like you because they have the same skills and experience. And then put it all together. Come to the table with evidence. You want to have an actual list of things that you've done for the company, the doors you've opened, the business you've brought in, the money that you saved. I deserve it is not a reason to give somebody a raise. And if you don't get your raise right there and then, ask for the opportunity to revisit the conversation six months down the road. So again, number one, figure out how that compensation is determined in your company. Gather all your facts so you can prove your worth. And finally, put it all together. I want to say thank you so much for joining me today on Her Money. Thanks to Phoebe Judge and Lawrence Forer for a wonderful conversation. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our show at iTunes. And again, let me just remind you, it is Her Money, and Her Money is one word, with Gene Chatsky. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Fidelity Investments. Our music is provided through Track Tribe. Our show comes to you through PRX. We'll be back next week with Karen Feinerman. You may know her from CNBC's Fast Money. They call her the chairwoman. She's also the author of the best-selling Feinerman's Rules, Secrets I'd Only Tell My Daughters About Business and Life. It's going to be a lot of fun, so join us then. 